You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today on the show, we are joined by State Representative Jonathan Brostoff. We will talk with Jonathan about his new haircut, what exactly a State Assembly representative does, and what he thinks about Foxconn. All that and more. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit skip. We'll be right back. Jonathan Brostoff, welcome to City Beat. Hey, happy to be here. Jonathan, your haircut uh, made news, but let's pause on that for a second and tell me more. What's the Jonathan Brostoff story? Well, uh, I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, had a great MPS uh, early childhood education, and uh, early on in that education decided to start working, well, start volunteering at a local homeless shelter called Pathfinders when I was 14. And that really set my life's track uh, on a kind of unique trajectory. And I was coming home actually from school on the bus, uh, I believe it was the 30, and I saw an advertisement and called it up and started volunteering there. And uh, that kind of set my path towards that sort of service. And I think all the work I've done then in other shelters or social service agencies or in government is kind of an extension of that, um, especially being that age, it made quite a significant imprint on, on my psyche and on, on what I felt needed to be done for our community. Um, but yeah, so um, worked there throughout high school, um, was after was volunteering, got offered a paid position, um, worked and volunteered in various other uh, shelters and socialist agencies around the city, and went to UWM uh, after my AmeriCorps service, and then met my beautiful wife, uh, started working in some different offices, got elected, and I'm here. That's it. And, and I had a baby, who's awesome. <laughs> and what, what year did you get elected in? Uh, that was 2014, if you can believe it. Feels like just yesterday. <laughs> feels like just, well, it's a good five years ago now. And yeah. before that, you were doing other things involving government. What were you doing before that? Yeah, well, I actually have had kind of experience at every level besides the school, but I worked at the city, both at the uh, aldermanic uh, level as well as in the uh, at, at the mayor's office and the county. I worked for then county supervisor and now state senator, Chris Larson. I also worked for Chris as his district director when he was Democratic leader of the state senate. And I did a brief stint at the UN through the UWM program um, over summer. So I got to have a lot of different experience in government um, uh, working. And also I volunteered on a lot of campaigns and helped a lot of people get elected. So I've seen that side of it too before I was in office. And now you represent the 19th, uh, not aldermanic district, 19th (laughs) assembly district. Tell me what is the 19th assembly district? I assume I know nothing at all. Sure. uh, It's a great district. It's uh, my kind of home base born and raised and it goes north to right before the Shorewood border at Edgewood, which is the final block in the city of Milwaukee. And it goes, which is about the 3,400 block, and it goes uh, south to Oklahoma, which is the southern border, right? It's kind of also right before the city limits. It's a little bit inside, but right before city limits on the south side, uh, east to the lake, of course, and west it goes uh, basically kind of right along the uh, Milwaukee River to the KK, and then also cuts apart parts of River West um, just past the river. So that's uh, Humboldt and east um, it, up to Keefe. And the one thing that always amazes me, it misses Walker's Point, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. There's, yeah, yeah, that's mostly Joe Casta's. There's a sliver, but yeah. 
it's that's that's it's you know we have a very heavily ma- gerrymandered state, and so a lot of the districts and their contiguity, contiguity doesn't exactly make sense because Wisconsin is one of the worst in the country. And what would you say, in, there's 99 assembly districts, if you ranked yours, what are like the rankings that appears on the top or the bottom? Of? Oh, definitely top. Top of, top of what, I guess? Best district, most yeah. liberal, most educated? All three. Most beautiful residents? Yeah, I, I well, I, I mean... So I don't think, you know, everyone, everyone, every assembly person would say that. So let me call it that a little differently. I think my district is uniquely fantastic in that it has the lake, which is amazing and a beautiful asset. It has some awesome public parks, although a lot of Milwaukee does. We have had a socialist history where we've had people who have said specifically we're going to cut out parts for parkland where everyone can enjoy. Um, and we have some awesome, beautiful green spaces, including Lake Park. We also have uh, the university, which is an amazing asset, UW-Milwaukee, where I went and I met my wife at. And uh, it's just a fantastic asset for the community. We have tons of great uh, arts and culture, not only in River West and uh, Bayview, but also on the east side and parts of downtown. And there's also, uh, I I think, a really good, uh, interesting housing stock and diversity there, which is pretty cool. Um, I will say one thing that my district suffers from, which is kind of a microcosm of the community in general in in the city of Milwaukee, is the extreme segregation. It's a mostly uh, affluent white district. And it does, you know, it, it's kind of cities kind of sectioned off in these racial quarters in a sense. And so that's something that uh, is problematic, um, but uh, it's something that we need to work on as a community. All right. And let's talk a bit about what a state assembly rep does. I think people have a good idea of what their local officials do, because if their garbage doesn't get picked up, they right. call and they yell at that person. Right. Your state assembly rep, they pass a budget every two years. What else do they do? Yeah. So we have uh, the same kind of bicameral system that you have in the United States. Uh, so, you know, a Senate and uh, House representatives are assembly in the state. So we do the legislating for the state. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty much anything you could possibly think of, everything from you know, the speed limits in, you know, areas of the state to uh, transportation funding to uh, health uh, laws uh, to... Plastic um, bag bans. Yep, plastic. Electric that's, scooters. Yep, electric scooters, <laughs> both things coming up. Uh, I think we'll talk about sign language in a bit. Yep, uh, and and all sorts of, yeah, I mean, any, thousands of things that you'd never think of until it affects you directly, but state deals with all that. And so a lot of our time, so the budget is by far the most important bill, and it comes up every two years, and that's, you know, $80 billion of state money that, we're, that are being allocated towards various projects. But, oh my gosh, it's starting to rain hardcore I'm on my bike. Oh, wow. <laughs> But, uh, you know, the other thing that we do is is the legislative side, and that's mostly through committee and task force, although it can happen outside of those processes. Um, but, you know, we work on all sorts of legislative priorities um, that are important to people. And uh, if you're interested, you can always watch on Wisconsin Eye for free and see the goings-ons. But um, usually we have about five or six committee assignments for each representative. Um, but that's kind of the the bulwark of of what's going on and you know quite frankly uh even though i'm a state representative i don't deal with aldermanic issues if there's something i can you know work on just contact me i I deal with all sorts of stuff that's that you know we direct people all the time so if anyone has anything out there they want worked on hit me up and i'm happy to help uh, even if it's not under my direct purview and tell me one of the things that always surprises me even i guess someone that covers local government but not state government directly how long, how much of the year is the state assembly, the state senate in session? Sure. So normally we're what's known as a three-fourths legislature. So we um, 
three-fourths of the time are in Madison, and then because we're up every two years, uh, that other uh, fourth of a time we're campaigning, it's campaign season, and, you know, there's all sorts of restrictions on you at the at the kind of office-level state stuff for that to make sure it's, you know, well, theoretically to make sure there's no corruption, although that's a whole other podcast. But um, basically, uh, we, yeah, we are there three-fourths of the time, and then the other part is to, meant to be for campaigning specifically. Um, so... That's how it's split. It's in Wisconsin. All sorts of states have different rules on that. Some are uh, very part-time. Some are completely full-time, not three-quarters full-time. So, And your position is elected every two years in the fall? Correct. In a partisan election, you are a card-carrying Democrat. Do you have a card in your wallet you can pull out and show me? I don't, but well, uh, right. yeah, I felt when I ran the Democratic Party is one of the two that most best reflect my principles, but I also don't know if having just a two-party winner-take-all system is the best form of governance, but I also want to abolish the Electoral College, so well, I have lots of changes. you've come up with many other podcasts we'll have to have you back for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's get to the topic of the day. Let's talk about your hair. Um, sure. Monday, July 1st, you got a haircut. That's not normally news. For instance, <laughs> June 30th, I got a haircut. No <laughs> one cares. Are you serious? You didn't get any coverage? <laughs> no oh, coverage. Man. There was no TV stations at my haircut. <laughs> but your haircut was different. It marked the end of a campaign. Yes. You passed a significant piece of legislation. Tell yes. us about that. Oh, man. Well... Years ago, around 2005, when I was in D.C. in Senator Harkin's office, I forgot to mention, I was also in D.C. for briefly, and uh, I made friends with some people who were deaf out there. Two of the people I'd met right away, actually, just literally getting our bags off of the air, off the, you know, from the airport. Um, Christine and Andrew, both are deaf, happened to become two best friends out there, and we hung out every single day, you know, went to the beach together on the weekends and after hours on the weekdays and stuff like that, but... Yeah, they just became my best friends. We hung out all the time, and I, I learned sign language from them and learned a lot about deaf culture. And then when I got back to Milwaukee, made more deaf friends. And when I got elected, uh, some of my deaf and interpreting friends basically said, hey, you know, we have a huge issue that needs to be addressed. We don't have any – there's no one that is working on this you know, we need you to work on this. So, so I oblige and, and I've been working on it ever since, but it was all just kind of happenstance that all, everything came together. And I, you know, bit, 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 you know, bit on my guard and, and, uh, you know, put my head down and just basically put more of my capacity and work into this bill than anything else I've worked on. And it was a huge challenge and an amazing accomplishment. We were able to get it done. I'm very proud of everyone who worked with to accomplish it. Well, I guess tell the listeners, what is the bill? What is the goal sure. of the bill? What is the specific technicalities of the bill? Sure. So AB 250, if anyone wants to look it up online, is a bill that in essence deals with three parts. Uh, it's, it's fairly technical, but I'm going to break it down into three different parts. It gets people back to work. It creates more opportunities for deaf access in Wisconsin, and it creates more protections for the deaf community. Gets people back to work. So there's a scarcity issue in Wisconsin for sign language interpreters, and the, I don't want to get too wonky, but basically the independent accreditation agency that we um, sourced out to before. We being the state. The state case. of Wisconsin, yep. That the state of Wisconsin outsourced to before um, had some internal mismanagement and some pretty severe issues. So they kind of blew up overnight without anyone, without a lot of fair warning. And so there's a moratorium put on sign language interpreting licensure, which hit a state like Wisconsin, obviously very hard. And um, we didn't have a fix in place. And we, and 
the initial bill from 2009-2010 didn't have any mechanisms to uh, self-correct quickly for a stance like that. So we got so it put a lot of people out of work and it made it compounded the issues of scarcity. So this corrects that, gets people back to work, um, which is really important and really helpful. And it also means more opportunities to the deaf community because obviously without interpreters, they are in, in a bad situation um, because that's kind of a big access point. And so, and so mm -hmm. just for a point of clarity, if you want to be an interpreter that is unlicensed, if you want to go somewhere with your friend who is deaf, you can help. But where does the license come in? Where so any anytime you're hiring someone, basically outside of a church setting, in church or in in worship ceremonies, you don't have to. But outside of that, anytime you're hiring someone, um, they have to have a minimum safety standard and and professional uh, uh, competency levels. So. So that's one aspect to it. The other aspect to it is uh, protections. Um, it offers uh, an additional mechanism for punitive nature for a deaf individual that has experienced a sign language interpreter that is not licensed and practicing illegally, which didn't exist before. And that was something I heard about a lot from the deaf communities when I was traveling the state in both rural and urban communities. That's something people really, really wanted because before it could just go through the DA's office, which has never been prosecuted and it's not on their radar really in the sense. So that was a big thing. And it also offers more protections in the sense that there's a more specific scope of practice that's appropriate for their skill levels. So there can be situations that are what's known uh, as quote unquote high risk, such as mental health, medical and legal situations where the nature of expertise one needs to effectively carry out the duties is much higher than, let's say, a community or even education setting, um, because the language is not only more technical, but the implications are more uh, heavily sure. weighted. Yeah, as well. the stakes are higher. The stakes are higher, exactly. So that's something that um, we were able to fix in this iteration of it, in this bill, and that was something that's incredibly important and is also better for the interpreting community and also allows people to kind of level up. And, and so that was a big thing. And then um, so access protections and gets people back to work. So as far as access, again, being able to address the scarcity issue, get sign language interpreters back to work, means that uh, people can have more real life in, in, in real life interpreting for situations that they need and also creates an additional tier of certified deaf interpreters, uh, which are more better, util which are better utilized for situations where one is... Um, Let's say uh, not necessarily in like you know quote unquote properly trained in ASL and went through all the schooling and is really highly educated, but had home sign for example or something of that nature. So yeah, it's it's uh, it was an incredibly important bill. It was time sensitive, and since we're coming to an odd year, the cycle kicks in again. And if we didn't get it corrected now, if this bill didn't pass now, a bunch of more interpreters would have been out of work immediately. Um, and this is such a, ha I mean, for, for the interpreters, this is an existential threat to them as well for their profession. And so, I mean, even today I was walking my, my boy, um, I, I have a five month old and I was walking him around and I ha I literally had six or seven people on the street saying, Hey, bro, stuff, you know, thank like they were just so happy because the implications of that profession is huge. Cause it's not only people re-upping their licensure, it's also people that are graduating that want to get theirs. It's people that want to go into school for it, but if they don't have a future in Wisconsin, they can't do it here. Uh, and it's people who are coming from out of state that want to work here. Um, so it, it, it has a lot of implications for that community. And one of the great things about this particular accomplishment is that neither the sign language interpreting or deaf communities are particularly 
well off in a certain sense, like the Tavern League or like the NRA or like the WMC or nothing like that. They don't have a ton of money or a union or political power or anything like that. So they can't have like full time high paid lobbyists, you know, and all this money buying off politicians or nothing like that. They're well, just well. How many people are we talking about? How many sign language interpreters that are licensed or should be licensed in the state are there? Should be um, l- probably around five hundred. I would say maybe six hundred. And that's for those people. That's a full time job for that yep. five or six hundred people. Full time job. Um, although I uh, some people the the. The profession doesn't actually pay a ton either. It's, I actually think it's kind of underpaid personally. Um, not no offense to any interpreters out there, this is my opinion, but I, I don't think they'll take offense if you say they're underpaid. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Well, <laughs> would, you know, I guess another way to say it is they're not properly respected. You know, as far as their financial compensation, and I think so. Anyway, so so I know personally quite a few interpreters who you know, working at Walmart or something on the weekends just to, you know, tighten up. So, um, but, but yeah, for a lot of people it's full time. Yeah, for sure. All right. And how does your hair get involved in this? Well, it's kind of funny. My hair got involved because this, this, we introduced this a previous session, right? And in that session, it really should have passed. And a lot of the deaf people I've been working with had not really been that heavily involved in the legislative process before. And so from their perspective, did everything right, worked their tails off, all the strategy I talked about, everything I asked, they showed up in committee, testified, did the letters, met with the legislators, everything. We did this whole statewide thing, and it worked really well. And I hit, and I set all these goals. I said, hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. We need to do da-da-da-da-da. All those got hit. All our metrics were made, and we did not. And by, a th- by the thinnest of margins, we didn't get it passed. It barely didn't pass. And when are we talking? This was at the end of the last legislative session, but we had full support. But on a, a calendar that normal people live on. Oh, um, gosh. When is this? Uh, is, are we talking spring, no, like 2018? Uh, was it spring? No, I think it, was, I think it was close to the end of the year, like maybe October or something. I think it was October was the session day. Okay. Um, but anyway, it was, it was around then. It passed unanimously in the assembly. Um, it passed. Uh, it would have passed with high end marks in the Senate if we could have got through committee, but the timing didn't work out. There was some logistic hurdles, and there was one big hiccup we hit with one, you know, particular uh, committee chair, and, and it got it got screwed up. So they were pissed, understandably so. They had poured their heart and soul into this. They had worked so hard. They did everything right, and doing everything right, they still couldn't get through. And and I was in complete agreement. I felt the same way. And so I met with, I took it, we all went out for dinner. It's about 30 stakeholders from, from all over. And, you know, everyone was very upset, understandably. And I just said, look, first off, a bill this technical without money, without a lobbyist, without all this. And by the way, this also, let me just take one quick aside. For the listeners, Jonathan is pointing at me repeatedly this, right now. <laughs> yeah, I get very animated about I've freaking put my heart and soul for five years on this stuff. I'm very animated about but this was also happening at the same time when there's a bill that was introduced to completely destroy licensure in Wisconsin, and they targeted sign language interpreting specifically. And I led the charge to defeat that, and we did defeat that. So this wasn't in a vacuum. It was, on, it was right at the heels of this really aggressive legislation as well that would have destroyed the whole profession. So we defeated that, and we barely didn't get this. And I said, look, just defeating that other bill is a huge deal. And this not getting through in the first, this often could take six or eight years to get through. The fact that we didn't get through in the first two, it's okay. Like, we, you know, let's let's take a deep breath. We're going to get this done. I know it's a big kick in the shins. We're going to get this done. And everyone was so distressed. I said, look, 
I'm I'm pot committed. We will get this done. I'm your ally. I will work on this. This will be my single biggest focus of all my legislation. And as a promise to you, I'm not cutting my hair till we get this done because that way there'll be a visual indicator, which is, you know, a bigger deal for the, you know, it's like every time you see me, you're going to have a visual indicator that we are going to get this done and I am not done. And as a politician, you're supposed to look very clean cut and very, you know, professional and stuff like that, obviously. But I'm not. I'm. I, I don't give a damn about that. I'm gonna let my Jufro flow. And <laughs> once we get this done, then I'll cut it, and we can all have a big moment of catharsis together, which you know was yesterday. But um, but it was more so a commitment to them than anything. And then uh, some newspaper folk, Jim Stingle specifically, picked up on it. I believe some of my colleagues, you know, were kind of busting my chops, and then told some newspaper folks about it and started reporting on it. And it blew up into this thing, but. It initially just started off as a, it was just a commitment to the people who I, I really want to work for and, and to let them know we're getting this done. We will get this done. And when did you make that promise? October or even before that? Uh, that was... Because no. your wife told me on July 1st yesterday that... Is it February? That you hadn't got your hair cut since February of 2018. And by the looks of it, yeah, she was right. <laughs> yeah, she's... I will say she's much better with time and dates. I mean, it might have been then... Let's see, February, so it was after... November after the break for the new year. It could have been February because that would be before April. It could have been February. So you I, seem- I don't even, because that whole time was such a blur. I mean, I'm, first of all, we had, I, you know, I had, you know, even though this is my main focus, there was like 23 other bills I've been working on. And just to get this, a committee here, just to, because they didn't have a lobbyist. I was doing all the work. I was doing the organizing and like that. So the time was a bit of a blur and what time the Senate hearing should have been, what time the assembly hearing was, all that kind of blurred together for me. But, and also we had, it also happened to be a time when we were personally going through, which I've, you know, publicly stated before, when we had a really bad situation around that time with a, you know, and we had a really bad miscarriage um, when we were far, far along. And so that all threw our calendar off as well. And so I, I apologize for not knowing my dates as well as I should. But she, I'm sure my wife is right. She's got a better hold on that stuff, better memory than I. And, and now you have you are a happy man with your haircut. Yep. You have a, a five-month-old at home, Fi- Boaz. Amazing so baby. Thank things, God. Things are looking up for you. How did you celebrate uh, this haircut? Well, I actually had some friends, and from, so celebrating was really with the community and a bunch of deaf stakeholders and uh, interpreters, and everyone came together. We had a big shearing party. They all cut my hair. It was awesome. It was super fun. Uh, then afterwards, went with some friends, uh, some of the folks for drinks, and went over to Comet. Uh, I actually don't, I had a ginger beer. I don't drink alcohol, but I uh, went over there and had some dinner, had a key lime pie, which is great. Uh, if you have not checked out Comet, also in the Fabulous 19th District, uh, but they have a great key lime pie and just got a chance to decompress and kind of and and then my wife and I took a long walk home walk off some of those calories and then I just played with my son all night till he fell fell asleep again and uh yeah, it was, it was just awesome. I'm just so thankful. And it really was a good moment with the cathar- And I knew we needed something to, because everyone works so hard on this and it's so important. And, you know, for pe- like for, for you and me, it's really easy not to even think about it. But for people who is, this could be a life or death sort of thing, or it's an existential opportunity to access the rest of the world or not, like, it's a big deal. And I knew we needed something to just break the tension and have some fun with it and just, you know, kind of, 
and we did a fundraiser for for the Wisconsin Association for Deaf and Wisconsin Interpreter of our Re- Wisconsin Register of Interpreters for the Deaf um, to to raise some money for those two groups who helped pass this too. And what was the final length of your hair? Ten inches. Ten, ten inches. inches. All right. Well, with this, <laughs> with ten on the mind and the spirit of David Letterman, I have prepared a list of ten things I think you could do next. Deal. All right. So <laughs> here we go. Don't clip your fingernails until we have a state budget. Hopefully that's fast. Oh man. <laughs> Don't shave your face until there is a liberal Supreme Court majority in Wisconsin. All right. Three, don't shower until there is a Democratic majority in one house of the state. Ooh. Four, wear the same pair of clothes every day until Democrats control both houses. <laughs> I'm not saying any of these are good ideas. In fact, many of them are bad. <laughs> Five, sleep in a tent every night until we have effectively eliminated homelessness in Milwaukee. I like that. Six, bike to Madison every week until Milwaukee has a network of protected bike lanes. Oh, man, I gotta do so- I gotta get my cardio up, okay? Uh, Seven, only write in crayons until we have a well-funded education system. Oh, Boaz, I love that. Eight, live stream every time you wait for a bus until we have a regional <laughs> mass transit system. Yes, RTA. There'll, there'll be a lot of long, boring waits. <laughs> yeah. Number nine, dance to the Macarena every day at the corner of Water and Wisconsin until Wisconsin has a $15 minimum wage. Ooh. And ten, this is my personal favorite, give Jeremy Janine a dollar every day until you retire. Oh, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> Is that an incentive for to retire quicker? I don't know. It's an incentive for that Jeremy Janine guy to get a lot of money. I like it. I like it. Very good. Well, thank you for those suggestions. Do you uh, have a, a personal favorite out of those? Yeah, definitely the homelessness one. I like that. Uh, I love camping and I love fighting homelessness, so perfect. All right. Well, well let's talk off the air and see if we can uh, do something there. Deal. We have just a couple minutes left. One, you talked about Comet briefly, but I like to ask all my guests, what is your underrated restaurant? In- in, in all of Milwaukee? Anywhere. Uh, actually, I would say Odd Duck is pretty big. And I don't know if you've Okay, been nope. Highly rated. Next. Oh, that's high. Okay. Uh, underrated. I guess it depends what context. Let's see. Um, the context What is about ju- the... Uh, oh, gosh. I'm spaced on the name now. So it's the context hotel. is just what I what I think is properly rated, improperly rated. Okay. The, the, it's, that, it's that hotel brunch place right off of downtown. The Nick? Not the Nick, uh, but, but it's close to there, right up the street from there. Um, County Clare? Not County Clare. It's 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 a hotel as well, like County Clare, but it's it's a little more formal, and it's a few blocks up the street from County Clare, a few blocks south, and a one block uh, west or so. I think. Um, I don't oh, know gosh. what hotel you're talking about. Brunch at the Plaza. Brunch oh, the Plaza. Plaza. Sure, the yes. Plaza. Cafe at the Plaza. Cafe yes. at the Plaza. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is the excellent choice. All that right, is... I'll take Cafe at the Plaza. Underrated. <laughs> All right, and we, have, we have just a couple minutes left. I got a couple random things we can talk about, but one I'm sure you love to talk about, Foxconn. You've oh man, evoked... I got to come back for that. We got to really talk about that. But <laughs> well, it's an biggest ever... Midwest Fire Fest, biggest scam in Wisconsin state history. Horrible deal, ripping people off left and right, and to what end? And the environmental component that alone should have been a big enough red flag to cancel the whole project. And now that we have your simple uh, simple opinion on it, what would it take for it to be a success in your eyes? And you can't just cancel the deal. That's the cheater's way out. Um, Zero dollars in corporate welfare being spent. Uh, the environment, no, you know, not this seven million gallons of Lake Michigan water, not destruction of the feder- of the non-federal wetlands, um, Oh gosh! Basically, undo <laughs> to be a success. Cheating, cheating. Uh, so, what? Given what Foxconn has proposed, if they simply did everything they said they were going to, it would do, be a huge failure if they did that. We're not here to subsidize private industry at the tune of two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars per job. That's a failure in itself. But that's more so a failure of our leadership. But doomed to fail from the jump. And even if they did everything they promised. 
All right. Well, my guest today has been Jonathan Brostoff. We'll, hey. s- we'll save the topic for next time on his basketball defensive moves. He's got a full court press thing he does that drives <laughs> everyone nuts. Uh, the show has been recorded at lovely Riverwest Radio, where it's been raining for almost the entire time. And Jonathan, I'm scared you got a bike home in this. Man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week, Tuesday at 3.30.